Last week, we were presented with the gospel of the temptation of Jesus in the desert, the desert where he went to fast and to pray for 40 days and 40 nights. And what a beautiful way to begin Lent by giving us the story of when Jesus himself goes into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to know that he precedes us. He goes before us. He's not a stranger to the experience of fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And we should be consoled in one sense that our Lord, our Savior, our God made it a point to lead us and to precede us. Often I think that we have this notion of Christianity that goes like this, that we're on a journey and Jesus is walking behind us, accompanying us. Now, that notion, although beautiful, I don't think gets to the heart of Christianity. Because discipleship is us following Jesus. It's you and me accompanying Him. He's the one who calls. He's the one who beckons. And we're the one who listens follow him. Now I think that due to our kind of surrounding culture that's so focused on the self, right? The I, the I, the I. Do whatever pleases you. Right? We've kind of morphed Christianity and discipleship into how can Jesus minister to me? How can Jesus please me? And what that question is really asking is how can Jesus follow me? And so now we turn Christianity into our own religion. How will Jesus follow me? But to be a disciple of Jesus means to follow him. Means to let him lead. Jesus doesn't follow us. We accompany him. And we ought to be comforted by that fact. As mentioned before, that means that He prepares the way. And He precedes us in everything that we do. He's been there, done that. He's no stranger to anything that we have experienced. And I think we're drawn a little further into this understanding by our gospel this morning. We hear this, and this is how the gospel begins. Jesus took. Peter, James, and John. Notice the language that Jesus took them. He led them. He initiated the journey. And it's He who's leading them up the mountain. He leads them up the mountain so that they can get a glimpse of the glory that is to come. A glimpse through the transfiguration. But then, guess what? They don't stay there. Although Peter says, Lord, let's make three tents. Let's just stay here. It's good that we are here. But rather, Jesus leads them back down the mountain. And he leads them back down the mountain because he has to show them that he must first lead them up another mountain. A mountain that they will not want to climb. So you may ask, well, what mountain is this? 
What mountain does he have to climb again? Well, I think that our first reading kind of prepares us for what mountain we must climb with Jesus. And so what was that first reading? It was that startling story of Abraham where he's asked by God to offer his own son. And when we encounter this story, maybe we're kind of shocked. Why would God command such a thing? If God is so good, why would he command Abraham to sacrifice his only son? But in order for us to understand this, we have to look at the context. We have to look at the nature of such a command. And we find that in the beginning of the story, we hear that God put Abraham to the test. You see, this is not just some distorted God who wants to have someone offer a human to him. But this is a test of faith. But it's precisely this test of faith that will bring alive something that will come true many, many, many years later. And so the story begins. And let's notice the language. It sounds very familiar to our gospel. God says this to Abraham. Take your son Isaac. In other words, lead your son Isaac, your only one whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust. That is a whole offering. Nothing to be left after the offering. On a height that I will point out to you. So Abraham is to lead Isaac up the mountain. He's to take him up the mountain. To offer him as a sacrifice. His only beloved son. A little side note the mountain of Moriah would soon later come to have another name. It would soon later to become known as Jerusalem. So then Abraham does something interesting. He takes the wood and he gives it to his son to carry up the mountain. He places it on his shoulders. Now, maybe when you were growing up, you heard this story. Maybe your grandma, your mom... They told you that Isaac was just a little boy, maybe around 10, 11, 12. But if you really think about this and take a fresh look at this story, to carry all that wood up the mountain would not be an easy task. It would be a task that only really a man could do. We have, I think, some 12-year-olds in our choir. I don't think that he could carry enough wood to offer a whole person up a mountain. And so really it suggests that this man is older, maybe around 30 years old. And so he has to carry himself, carry the wood himself up the mountain. And so they reach the top of the mountain. Abraham takes the wood, builds the altar, arranges the wood, and there's something else that is very striking. Nowhere in the story of Abraham does he ever resist. And so, think about, put yourself in Isaac's shoes. Your father says, look, I'm going to offer a burnt offering, a holocaust on this mountain, and there's no animal in sight. And so he must have had a hint that he was the sacrifice. And so he willfully, selflessly carries it up the mountain. And as his father binds his hand, 
he willfully and selflessly lays upon the altar. And so then the moment comes. Abraham goes, reaches out, takes the knife to slaughter his son. And the angel, the messenger says, hold up. Abraham, Abraham, don't go through with it. The Lord has seen your faith. He's seen your trust in him. And then he looks up and there's a ram. A ram was a symbol for a king. And he's caught in the thicket. He's caught in the thorns. In other words, this ram is now crowned with thorns. Taking this all in, we recognize that the sacrifice of Abraham now becomes the sacrifice, really, of Isaac, who offers himself. And so we see that this story is none other than a prefiguration, a pointing forward to when the Heavenly Father will offer His only begotten Son, His only beloved Son. And He will walk up the mountain of Jerusalem, the mountain of Moriah, carrying His own cross on His shoulders selflessly and willfully for the salvation of all. Up the mountain He goes. Back to the gospel. Although the three desire to stay, as St. Peter expresses it, Jesus leads them down the mountain because he must ascend another mountain. And you got it. You know what that mountain is. It is the mountain of Jerusalem. It is the mountain of the cross. But what we're reminded today, my brothers and sisters, is this. And I think this is our takeaway. Is that Jesus must lead. Because if we were climb that mountain ourselves with no one to lead us, we would be so scared. We would be so afraid. And we wouldn't lay down our lives. And so it's precisely in letting Jesus lead us and show us the way that we are able to give him everything. Because we see that he is giving everything. That he's showing us the way. And he led us then, and he's leading us now during the season of Lent. And so on this second Sunday, we're 12 days in, and maybe we've already given up on our Lenten practices, or maybe we're getting tired. Maybe it's already becoming difficult. And so we have to ask ourselves, and the Scriptures encourage to ask ourselves, who's leading the journey? Because if it's us, we will tire. And we will faint. And we will give it all up. But if it's Jesus who leads us, if we let him take the lead, then his grace draws us to him. And our grace draws us up that mountain. And so parents and families here, who's leading your family this Lent? Are you trying to take control? Because when we begin to take control, everything begins to become a disaster. But when we let our Lord lead the way. Even when the disasters come, we see they only lead to another mountain. And that is a mountain of transfiguration. If the crosses that come into our lives only lead to us being transformed, transfigured into the likeness of Christ.
So who's leading this Lent? I'd like to leave you with a quote by Venerable Fulton Sheen. He once said this, Heaven is a city on a hill. Therefore, we cannot coast into it. We must climb. And that is what we should take away, my brothers and sisters, that you and I must climb. We must climb the mountain which Jesus leads us up towards. And that first mountain will be the cross. But the second mountain is the transfiguration and the glory, the fullness of glory that will come in the resurrection. And my brothers and sisters, it's precisely in seeing the Lord lead us and the Lord make His sacrifices that really our small Lenten sacrifices are nothing compared to His sacrifice. The sacrifice that we offer to Him is nothing compared to what He has done for us. And so He must show us the way. He must lead us. And thanks be to God that He's leading us. Because without Him leading us, we would lose hope. And so the question for you today, this Lent, as you recommit yourself, is who le who's leading? And so maybe your prayer throughout this week could simply be, Lord Jesus, lead us. Lead us to where we want to go, but where we will not want to go by ourselves. Lord Jesus, lead us, for we know that to lead us to the cross, where your love poured out, is really to lead us to a life of transfiguration and transformation. Let him lead you.